and welcome to the most self-important, giggliest podcast you've ever heard. That's right, it's They Made Another One? Where each week, we study an oft-forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. This is one of your hosts, Corey. Corey? Hello, this is me. Thank you. And this is one of your other hosts, or the only other host, Liam. Liam? Hello, that's me. Well, Great. Not, Everyone's here, not, and it's time for They Made Another One. So sorry for stepping over you. Not precisely the only other host. We do have a third yeah. host. It's our good friend, voice of the show, voice of the soundboard, actor extraordinaire, Jason DeLine. Hello. Oh, you mean me. I Hello. do mean you. Hello. Welcome to the hey. show. Thank you for Thanks, making us sound better than we ever have. And never will, maybe. Well, we'll see. This is, we're only thirty seconds in, so the stakes are high. You might be eating those words. Yeah, let's where not do we fuck go this up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, everybody, um, if you have been listening recently, you will have heard some of Jason in our soundboard, which has had variable degrees of operational capacity. But this week, we are locked and loaded and ready to go. So you'll be hearing twice as much jason as you would typically expect from a regular conversation because i can just throw I him in there that. whenever we want are you sure I, I come <laughs> on i think we should get it in there and so yes yeah, so for anybody who might not know i know we've we've probably got some uh mortal podcast discord friends who already know who you are but uh you can give us a little quick introduction who is jason deline oh wow no yeah pressure big question um... <laughs> Yeah, it is a big question. Who am I? Well, it's also smaller than you'd think. Uh, oh, I, think I should never say that out loud or on a recording. That's <laughs> I um, promise I'm not going to cut that out of context. Uh, thanks, but someone might. Uh, this podcast is uneditable. Uh, what can I tell? Okay, so uh, I don't know. I was always into like radio and, and stuff like that um, when I was a kid. Um, I liked radio shows and like old comedy, like Abbott and Costello and stuff like that. And, uh, loved Saturday night live. Uh, and I was pretty shy, but once I got into high school, I got into plays and stuff and, uh, then went to school for radio broadcasting, did radio for a bit, put some demos together, came back to Toronto to uh, become an actor. And so I've been doing voice acting and acting ever since, I guess. And I also teach in Toronto too. And, uh, I've always been a big movie lover uh, I was, so to give you some context, I was born in 1977, so I Good was um, almost 12, I guess, when Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out, and I saw that in the theater. That's pretty cool. I think for, for context, just for everybody else's reference, I was mm-hmm. born in 1997. 1996 oh. over here. So <laughs> Jason has a, a perspective over us. My gosh. He's, he's got a, a, a wisdom that comes with uh, 20 more years of having seen Bill and Ted movies. That's right. You can never, I mean, no, no matter how much research you do, you'll never know what it's like to be, to see that movie in a the theater at the age of 12 or 11 in 1989 yeah. oh just rub it in jason oh my gosh i, I wish so badly giant, uh, i had these uh basketball shoes that were quite awesome at the time and they were called nike quantums they weren't nike errors but uh that was, it was a big deal in 1989 those sound <laughs> tight do those have anything are those in any way adjacent to like reebok pumps they have like the Absolutely. air button. Oh yeah, yeah. It wasn't far. It wasn't far off. Nice. I mean, 
Mikey never did the pump. They never uh, stooped to that level. But. They never. They never <laughs> Reebok never stopped to ask if they should be doing what they did with the Reebok pumps, which was just yeah. like let kids wantonly inflate their shoes at will. Yeah, they're they're basically the Hammond, uh, the Jurassic Park Hammond of uh, sneakers. Yeah. And they, uh, uh, they never stop to do what they, uh, if, if, they, if they should. <laughs> sneakers find a way. And so, um, did those sneakers factor into Bill and Ted being like a formative experience, or were well, they just also I, I, there? It's just, it just sort of a bit. When I watch Bill and Ted now, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, it's very much end of 80s, and you see like some of the big shoes and the like everyone had high tops and you see like the layers and like some neon and stuff. And there's some of that in back to the future as well, where it just like, it just screams eighties. And I remember those shoes because to me, they very much belong in movies like that. And that's, that's really the only reminder of those pop culture, not pop culture. The the reminder of the fashion at the time is when I access my pop culture, like I watch movies and I'm like, Oh yeah, I had a jacket like that or hair like that or whatever, you know. It's it's sort of a little time capsule. Right. Cuz the aesthetic's pretty distinct and obviously you see a lot of it now uh because there's so much 80s throwback going on that it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty readily available. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's fun, right? Yeah. Like it's all I mean, it's like it's like every all pop culture does and they gloss over any of the the pain that came with these decades. Right. Like we, you know, Back to the Future makes the fifties looks like it was so much fun and easy and, and beautiful and shiny. And, you know, people, people don't want to see it though. in their entertainment, right. Yeah. And to see the idealized version of whatever we're watching. Yeah. It's like, I'll wear my members only jacket around, but I don't want to think about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> exactly. Iran Contra. What? Look how pink <laughs> this is. <laughs> these high tops have never been higher. They glow in the dark. Trickle down high top economics. <laughs> and so uh yeah i guess if if we're starting that with uh bill and ted's excellent adventure as a launch point i guess folks have probably figured out by now that we uh, are going to be discussing bill and ted face the music which came out this year came out like a couple weeks ago so this is among the more timely we've ever mm-hmm. been on this show it's up there with like the doctor sleep invisible man stuff that we got to pretty quick and um I will nothing but classics on this show. Nothing but classics. Nothing but instant classics. <laughs> and uh, I think Liam and I have actually very much made the argument that Invisible Man is an instant classic. But here's the thing, Corey. I-, I was I was just about to say this feel like this is the first 2020 movie we've done on the podcast. And I know that's not true because Invisible Man, you know, it was my favorite movie that we've done. That was 2020. But doesn't it feel like this is a different 2020 movie because Invisible Man was pre-quarantine? And so this is like our first 2020 movie since 2020 became the year it is. You know what I mean? This feels like a big moment. Before yeah. 2020 yeah mm-hmm. i i mean i i didn't um i didn't super feel that way but now that you've laid it out i get it for sure like it it feels like um invisible well, i guess part of it is i did see in the invisible man in a theater right? that's right like that's so um it was one of the last movies i saw in a theater if not the last one it was like that and portrait of a lady on fire and some other thing i saw all like around the same time and then that was it so um this very much feels like that and that yeah i watched that at the same computer I'm, i watched bill and ted rather at the same computer i'm sitting at right now um right. to do this podcast so it's definitely a different 
feeling experience. And mm-hmm. I, I think what's interesting about that is um, this managed it to feel that way, I think, because of what happened around it. But they've been talking about and planning this movie for such a long time that it's ironic to me that by the time it comes out, it feels so specifically tied to the moment that it came out because it's been such a long process to like actually get the movie made. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so what I can do real quick is I'm just going to give a quick rundown of what we're dealing with here. Uh, there is uh, something that we sometimes do is that I'll break down uh, some of what the cast and crew have done before this. And uh, mm-hmm. I was telling I was telling Liam right before we started, there are some really choice cuts in the filmographies of people that have worked on this movie. So I am going to take a little bit of time to just read through some of those, especially the guy who did the music. He's got a lot of shit going on in his career, but um, I'll start with, it was directed by Dean uh, Periso, who notably was hired in 2012 to direct it. We're talking about, just to be clear, we're talking about Bill and Ted face the music specifically. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Just to make it clear for yes. the listeners. Um, and he also worked on uh, Red Two, and I guess more notably Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You yeah. Know, when I heard he was going to direct this, I was pretty excited because I, I, he nailed uh, Galaxy Quest. I thought as a as a Star Trek parody, that was a fun totally. movie. Yeah. And I think yeah. um, you want to be able to have you know you want to keep it loose and have a good time with Bill and Ted stuff. So Absolutely. I think it makes sense. And then we've got writers. Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, who are back from the first two Bill and Ted movies. Chris Matheson also notably worked on a Goofy movie, which we've talked about, and we will later on be doing the sequel to eventually on this show. And uh, they also did Mom and Dad Save the World and Imagine That, which are things that I'm less familiar with. Um, edited by Richard, Don... Oh, God. Chris Matheson yeah. is also the son of Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend and oh really I, well there you oh, go yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty cool yeah hell house uh, he wrote he wrote too oh really oh, wow that makes that makes the sci-fi slant to bill and ted way more intriguing that's yeah, really he, cool he gave them uh he gave them some notes uh on the movie i don't know when you want to talk about that but eh, we can, we can it's that. it's pretty loose we can get to stuff as it yeah. comes up um edited by don zimmerman who also did red too which i just like pointing out and then among other stuff that he did i picked the four the before funniest things I think that I could have went with, which is Rocky three and Rocky four oh, Ace wow. Ventura pet detective and the Mike Myers cat in the hat movie. Some of that trajectory makes sense, but, and then some of it, <laughs> not so much. And of course I believe yeah. I'm leaving out interstitial bits, but um, it's, it's led us all to this. So the last two people on this crew list that I have are the cinematographer and the composer. And these lists are wild in part because some of it's stuff that we've done on the show or might do on the show. And in part, it's just stuff that we've talked about or just a really wacky, diverse list. So if you give me a sec, I'm just going to do both of these and we can just, you know, let it hit us because it's a lot. So the cinematography is by Shelly Johnson. She also did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Wow. Jurassic Park 3. Oh. Which we did on this show. Sky High. Oh, man, we need to get this woman on the show. <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay. Oh, what? Yeah. Left turn. Yeah. And the Hurricane Heist from a couple of years ago. I don't know. I even know that. It's like movie. a crime movie set in a hurricane. Like, it's literally a heist during a hurricane. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> of and then, it is. not to be outdone, Mark Isham 
composer. This list is long. Just let me say it. Trust me. The Hitcher, Point Break, A River Runs Through It, Quiz Show, Cool World, Time Cop, Waterworld, Blade, October Sky, The Mist, Crash, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, The Conjuring, 42, Dirty Dancing, 2017. <laughs> Whoa! Those are some good movies, man. And just all, like, over the place. all over the fucking place. Like later this all year, or I guess 2021, I forget which, Judas and the Black Messiah is coming out. Also did the music for that. <laughs> and like the amount of stuff I left off, but it's just like, that's so many things. And they're so different. Like, I love that he did 42 and also Blade and also Point Break. <laughs> like, that yeah. is really cool. Well, it also feels like, Shelly Johnson like never was allowed to do the first good thing for a while. It was yeah, like, like you get the second Ninja Turtles, the third Jurassic Park. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, she, uh, like she she's always the second or third choice. He actually, she got the uh, she did the yeah. 2010 Wolfman, Expendables oh. two, Percy Jackson two, <laughs> the Lego yeah. Movie two. Like, how do you get to go from from all these sequels to Captain America? Like, I guess Captain America was sort of an experiment. That was before, like, we had a full-on Marvel universe. Yeah, that was kind of a gamble, a little bit. Not yeah. as much as, like, I guess Iron Man sequels would have been, but, like... But it's too bad they didn't keep Shelly around yeah. and give him a few more uh, Marvel movies yeah. to cinematography. Uh, well, I, it is notable that uh, Jurassic Park 3 and the first Captain America are directed by the same person. Uh, oh, that is a good call. Oh, right. Yeah, and he also did that Wolfman movie I mentioned. And if anybody has seen the 20, 2004 horse-based movie Hidalgo. I've not. Um, I, I actually have, but yeah. So she gets around. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's a pretty stacked Jeez. crew, which is pretty wild. And... Uh, sure. Uh, well, my, my mistake. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, I'm already I'm already fucking up. And then right. uh, I'll give a quick rundown of the cast. Uh, I'll, I'll try to... I did... Uh, what I did is I went to the Wikipedia page and I just copy-pasted it in. So I've got everybody here, so I'll just give a quick run through that. We can specify characters and stuff after. But so, of course, yeah. we've got Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Uh, we've got Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy-Payne. We've got Kristen Shaw. We have William Sadler Anthony Kerrigan, Aaron Hayes, and Jema Mays, Howland and Jr., Beck Bennett, Kid Cuddy playing himself, uh, Amy Stotch, Holland Taylor, Jillian Bell, Wynn Butler, Dazman Still, Jeremiah Kraft, Daniel Dorr, Sharon G., and Patty Ann Miller. That's everybody, basically. <laughs> that's, that's the whole cast kind of laid out quick. And, um... Yeah, we can. What we can do is we can sort of quickly set up where everybody kind of is at. What was everybody coming into this movie with in terms of Bill and Ted knowledge and affection? And I think Jason, of course, if you saw it in theaters, and you were pretty, you were pretty eager to do the the episode for Bill and Ted Three when we were talking about getting people on to do stuff. So I have reason to believe you are a big fan. I am a big fan. Uh, I remember. I remember uh, talking with it, talking about it with my friends in 1989. I remember uh, being in school and like people started talking like these guys, and uh, I was I was probably like 11, 11 or 12, and uh, yeah, we thought they were the coolest. And 
it was that they didn't set it up for a sequel, you know, like uh, it was just, it was just super fun. It had good music. It was fine for kids. I mean, for the most part, I, uh, I was 11 or 12 when I saw it and I thought that was pretty appropriate. Uh, there are uh, sort of in, there's an anti-gay epithet that's used once in the first movie and I think twice in the second movie. Uh, so that's unfortunate. That's sort of, dates it and makes it offensive but uh at the time i guess they didn't think it was a big deal uh it's kind of weird it's sort of like yeah. murphy's uh, raw you know just, oh yeah yeah you know, like wow you're using this as comedy just the fact that you're making fun of someone who doesn't like you it's weird um but yeah man it became a sort of a pop cultural phenomenon like i think i started wearing a vest like ted like keanu reeves it's the first time yeah. like most of us have seen Keanu Reeves, man, and like he was just so fun in that. They're both amazing. I thought these guys were great, and I thought it was really gutsy for like a movie to have these guys that no one had ever heard of, these brand new guys who just not do that now. But I was uh, I, today. I was seeing uh, there are rumors. There's make they're making a new um, Little Shop of Horrors, and Scarlett Johansson would play Audrey and. Chris Evans would play the dentist and uh, Egerton, I forget his first name, from from Kingsman would play Seymour. And I was like, this is not the way to do this. Like, Yeah, just get people I, I've never heard of in my life. Yeah. No, you hire people, you hire people like from Saturday Night Live or something, you know, like Rick Moranis was hilarious. Steve Martin. Um, and, and, the, and Audrey was played by, oh, her name just left my brain. She's, I, I can get it. I'll get uh, it. Yeah, yeah she's uh, amazing and has has an amazing voice and amazing uh, singing capabilities. But she wasn't already a movie star. She wasn't like a Marvel movie movie star. Ellen Green. Ellen Green. I think she ended up also being one of the ants in the show, the show with the pie maker, and he could touch people and bring them back to life. Did you guys ever see that? Pushing <laughs> daisies. You're right. It is. Yeah, she's in Pushing Daisies. I was going to yeah. make a joke that that was the cake boss, but you said Pushing Daisies too fast. <laughs> I'm so sorry. The cake boss is just going board. around fucking resurrecting people with the cake touch. I'm glad you still had to, got to have fun with your joke. Thanks, bud. <laughs> yeah, it, didn't get, it didn't get a lot of laughs, did it? Well, you laughed <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah i don't know i, I where were we <laughs> we were talking what, about what, what, keanu reeves and alex winter being kind of unknown dudes yeah and, and we were talking about like our, i guess our first impression on this movie and like yeah for me it was just like i remember my friend chris jeans we were in grade six that's an awesome came, name holy shit yeah. uh oh yeah i probably i don't know i guess someone's gonna like sock him or whatever but his last name was spelled like j-e-y-n-e-s and he was, he's probably taller now, but back then he was like four feet tall. <laughs> he like I, I love that he's probably taller now. Well, I hope so. Poor guy. But uh, <laughs> whatever, that doesn't define a person. Oh, no, you're right. Uh, no, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Most people would want to be tall. Um, and I have no idea what height he actually was because I don't know what height I was. I'm six feet tall now. At least that's what I have on my resume. Tallest person and, on the podcast. Uh, on the podcast 
And uh, yeah, I only do podcasts where I'm the tallest person. <laughs> better. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember. I remember us. Uh, he, he, the quote he loved from the movie that he remembered that he loved was like uh, when they they go and talk to uh, Ted's brother, and they said, "You lost. You ditched Napoleon." And Deacon goes, "He was a dick." <laughs> <laughs> Grade six, we thought that was the best. That was so funny. Um, it's probably true, right? Like Napoleon's yeah, Napoleon, whole track record and vibe doesn't seem great to me. Uh, yeah, I love, I love what they do with the historical figures in that movie. They yeah. all make them just clowns. They make them chill, ba- like babies. I, was, uh, <laughs> I think I was, uh, I watched uh, the first two movies recently with the uh, commentary with the with the writers. And I think that was something that they were saying when we first met Socrates in the movie. They were saying he's just like such a such a baby, and then they realized that that's sort of how all the characters did it, and it made them very accessible and very human and very funny for the audience just to see these people filled with wonder, but also like play. Like there's a part where Billy the Kid and Socrates in the background are just throwing a football around, you know, like yeah. they're not <laughs> taking all this too seriously, which which makes the movie easier and, and more fun, right? Totally. And then, um, so I obviously you've since like kept up big fan of the sequel sounds like, and you've still like, you'll rewatch them and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well I realized, uh, last year, so I have this group of friends, there's four of us who watch a movie together, uh, every week or every other week at this one guy's house. And uh, we stopped doing that during quarantine, but we we set up sort of a Zoom type meeting. I think we were we were chatting on Google Chat, and then we had a shared video, and we watch a movie together and have drinks and stuff. It's fun. And um, I realized a couple of them had never seen Excellent Adventure, so we were all sitting there, and I think somehow we were like planning to watch something like <laughs> with a little more weight. I feel like we were going to watch like Dogville or something like that. And sure. Then, like, someone was like, yeah. Oh, I see you on your. Uh, you have excellent adventure on your list of movies there, and we were like, I've never seen that, and we're like, I was like, what? Uh, so we ended up watching Excellent Adventure <laughs> and Journey back to back because they're short, right? They're like eighty minute movies or something. Like, yeah, it's a longer, but uh, pretty easy to watch, move fast. So it was really fun with to watch. You know, four guys watch these movies now, and and they still hold up. And uh, yeah, I watched them again before Face the Music came out. And, I just think they're they're a good time, man. Yeah, I'm a super. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, of all of them. The those first two movies really couldn't be more different from each other. But uh, you've got these two <laughs> constant characters who basically share a brain who uh, yeah. who, uh, who connect them, and it's just so much fun. Like I can't believe how the the writers were even allowed to go that far off what the first movie was. For the second one, like, because what they originally wanted to do, apparently, the studio was, um, well, I guess I'm, I'm sure most people listening have seen them, but the first movie is uh, a guy comes from the future to tell these teenage guys in uh, San Dimas, California, that they're destined to write the most amazing music in the world that will unite the planets uh, and create peace in the universe. Uh, but they have to pass this history report for some reason, or Ted will go to military school, uh, and then so the band breaks up. So they have to pass this history report. So the guy from the future, who's played by George Carlin, who's incredible in it, uh, gives him this phone booth. They can travel through time and space, 
so they go to collect historical figures to learn about history and then come back and do this amazing presentation, which they do. Uh, so knowing that, um, the second movie, they were what they were going to do is they have to pass an English test and they were going to be able to use the phone booth to go into works of literature. Okay. Totally. And Eddie, that's beyond most science fiction. Like, <laughs> allow that. It's yeah. But they ultimately felt like that was sort of a repetition of the first and it sort of negated the first because that was supposed to be this big pivotal moment. They shouldn't have another one so similar. So yeah, the second one, this bad guy from the future decides he wants to kill them and sends back two robots who look exactly like them to kill them. They do kill them. The guys, when they're dead, uh, meet the Grim Reaper, challenge him to a bunch of like classic 80s board games, beat him, come back to life, <laughs> and then have to go to this battle of the bands and they learn to play guitar and play awesome. Like it's... And they've got death hanging around. Like, that's the shortest yeah. summary you can yeah. make. <laughs> yeah, no, so totally. But, uh, but yeah, sorry. I just sort of hijacked the podcast. No, please. It's not really conversation. That's why you're here. But yeah. You're here to hijack the podcast. I, I, I'm a recapper. Uh, and, uh, Welcome to They like, Made Another One love... with Jason DeLine. Hey! <laughs> Jason DeLine. That guy's, oh, I already sound older. That's scary. Uh, <laughs> to be soundboarded by myself <laughs> uh, oh there will be more be a- uh yeah so yeah i love them both and i love how different they are but how constant bill and ted are uh what about you guys like what was your what was your introduction to these have you you guys have seen them them all recently uh liam usually goes first so i'll let liam go first hey yeah yeah dude i love the bill and ted movies i have <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I have loved them ever since I first saw them yesterday. Um, <laughs> did you watch real? all? Th- did you watch all three of them yesterday? Then I d- I did. Yeah. Um, the reason I did that. What's that? All were the first time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. So, yeah. So the, absolutely, I did. And and the reason I did the triple feature one was because they were they were movies that I've always been aware of. Um, my best friend in high school, friend of the show, Keiki, who Corey knows. Um, well, I know he had he's upstairs. That's right. Uh, <laughs> he had he had Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure on DVD in his um, fairly small DVD collection at his parents' house. And so I remember seeing that on his shelf when I was growing up. And, and he had said a couple times, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good movie. We should check it out sometime. And I just I never got to it. Um, but I, I always knew that it was an 80s movie that I've loved and that that I, that I would love, excuse me. And in the last few years, I've really um, made it a goal of mine to go back and watch a lot of the blind spot movies that I feel like I've missed because they weren't on TV and I didn't own them on home video. So the Back to the Future, which is now one of my top five favorite movies, I saw that for the first time probably three years ago. E.T., Jurassic Park, I saw those all for the first time about three years ago. So Bill and Ted really felt like it needed to get checked off at some point. And so in watching this new one, um, which I've been following along with the production of just because it's it's so cool that they've they're doing another sequel 30 years later, I figured it would be perfect to watch them all together. And also, it's kind of become a running joke this this season, this year on the show to Corey and I that uh, I'm familiar with 
the history and uh, the original of every movie we've basically, I think that we've done on this yeah. season so almost, far. And, almost and every three. single movie, like we sit down and it's like, oh, Liam, like what's what do you know like about this franchise? How do you feel about this? And he goes, this is the most important movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it just kept happening every week. Yeah, and so, so yeah, I, not on Scoob. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so I figured I, I would give it a shot and prepare myself for this one. And so uh, um, I, I knew that you would have history with the movies, Jason. And I suspected, I don't know for sure, we'll find out, but I suspected that Corey hadn't seen the first two. And so I just thought that it would be nice to have maybe all three perspectives. And so I did watch the first two um, yesterday and then I followed it up in the evening by watching the third movie and uh, those first two movies man I really loved them uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter I, I knew that the the movie would really be on their backs just because they're such iconic characters and I was already familiar with the way they would be talking and their outfits in the movie and stuff and so I was afraid that it would come off like a parody of itself because I was already familiar with what it was supposed to be. But, the, but that's not what happened at all. I mean, they just fit the role so naturally and they feel like real guys, you know, like real slackers. I would know in high school, they don't feel like a caricature of slackers. They don't feel like stoners, which they might've been if the movie were released a few years later, they feel like pretty real, real dudes. And so it makes the premise of uh, having to be sent back in time so captivating because um, you're you're just able to latch on to these dudes and uh, wherever they go, it's kind of fun to watch. And so I really like what you said, Jason, there about how the first two movies are so different, but Bill and Ted are the consistent part of them because that's totally right. Um, personally, for my tastes, I actually liked the second one more than the first one because... Um, instead of being history based, having these historical jokes in it, it's it's like more surrealist, absurd. It's a bit darker. Like there are some really creepy sequences in the movie. And so it just appealed to my sensibilities a bit more. I like the afterlife stuff. It feels kind of Beetlejuicy. Um, but I totally respect the franchise. Um, I love that the first two movies are really different from each other because I wasn't expecting that at all going in. Um, I thought that in typical back-to-back -back sequel fashion, you know, these movies are only two years separated. I thought that they would be pretty similar and that the second might be a retread. So I was really surprised when I popped on the second one and it was so different. And so these are movies that I'm definitely going to watch more uh, throughout the rest of my life. You know, I'm, I wish that I'd got to them when I was 12 because I definitely would have loved them then too. But, you know, hopefully I got a, li a lot of life left in me. And so I'm excited to have them now because they, they really are just such a, such a fun, such a fun 80 minutes. I mean, they just fly by and it's just, it is a great time. I really loved him. Liam likes it. Okay, I wanted to get that in there. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> the oh, soundboard awesome. will continue. Okay. Um, great to hear. I'm I'm glad that it's sort of timeless in that way. Like you born like 19 years after me and seeing this movie uh, 30 years later, 30 something years later, then you still like it. Like that's pretty cool. That's a yeah. unique position that like i don't i don't know anyone with that perspective that's pretty cool to me totally that's sweet and uh yeah. so liam made a prediction just now about whether or not i had seen these movies and right. um i can't actually i can like i can kind of i can say kind of um this is one of those where 
Um, I've seen them, but I've never sat down and watched them. Like I've seen mm. chunks of it here and there, or like you know, iconic clips or whatever. Like, uh, what is it? Something strange is afoot at the Circle K. Like yeah. you know, everybody knows that. And actually, recently, um, at my job, uh, which you know, similar to what Jason was talking about, is also at a radio station. Um, we were talking about Bill and Ted, and for the show that I work on, I had to pull some Bill and Ted audio clips, and it was like up to my discretion like which ones i pulled so somewhat recently i just watched like a shit ton of clips of the movies without sitting down and just watching them properly so i haven't sat down and done like the liam experience and uh, i certainly didn't see them in a theater in 1989 or after for obvious reasons but (laughs) it's something that i'm like more or less familiar with uh i'm not prepared to have a super strong opinion just because you know it's a different experience to sit down and watch them but i find it really really charming and nice like i really like bill and ted and i like the way the bits are constructed it's what we've talked about where they're just sort of like charming slacker dudes who've got like a really pleasant kind of air about them and everybody seems sort of like you know uh playful and like interested and just sort of like down to have a good time so it's really hard to argue with like just sort of jamming with that for a little bit and so that made me excited to see how or if they were going to be able to carry that through so many years after and um i think in part too just because i think keanu reeves's image is very different now (laughs) in terms of just like what he does in Hollywood typically um, over the last, basically since the matrix with a handful of exceptions. I mean, it's, it's pretty hilarious that we've, we did a Keanu Reeves movie only a few weeks ago. It was a very different movie than this. It was an Eli (laughs) Roth film, right, Corey? Like that's wild. And it was also bad, (laughs) but um, yeah. So um, it was something, and I've also seen a little bit of a, I don't know a ton of Alex Winter's other stuff, but I've seen a little bit of Freaked, um, mm. and that movie is really fascinating to me. I actually have I have it in full. I just need to watch it. But so I was passingly familiar enough that I was really excited to see it. Cool. Uh, so yeah, we do have we have all three perspectives. We've got the mm-hmm. necessary perspectives to get into here. And so real quick, for anybody who has not had the chance to pay twenty dollars to see this movie yet, um, quick rundown. It is. Uh, it's the modern day. Um, it's 2020. We're in San Dimas. We've got Bill. We've got Ted. We They are with their families, which is um, they're with uh, Elizabeth and Joanna, their wives, and they each have a daughter. One is Thea, who is played by Samara Weaving. That is Bill and Joanna's daughter. And then we have Billy, who is Ted and Elizabeth's daughter, played by Bridget Lundy Payne. And they uh, are basically their dads. We will get into that after. But they've very much got a similar vibe going and they're just sort of you know they're 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 looking a bit washed up comparatively they're playing a they're playing snippets of a song at a family wedding at the beginning but uh as we see there's a bit of family tension brewing because they've spent a really long time trying to write this song that they've been said that it's been said they've been destined to write and uh it turns out they're running out of time because uh we have Kelly come from the future and um They've got until 7.17 p.m. to get the song and perform it or else the turntable of time is falling askew and like reality is falling apart and things are ending up where they're not supposed to be. 
and uh like you've got you know i think george washington shows up in jesus times and jesus gets put on a kid cuddy concert and i don't know babe ruth like falls into a boat or something it's bad and uh so their their ultimate solution apropos of bill and ted's previous movies is to time travel to the future to themselves when they have the song and bring it back so they can stop everything from breaking bad here that's the quick rundown of the whole thing and i think um you know i'll I'll open the floor here to how people felt about the movie and then we can get into it but i think uh i do want to start with i think this is very much based on the the plot synopsis i just gave if you've seen other bill and ted movies you kind of know what you're in for and i think if you go in being like hell yeah let's watch a bill and ted movie uh i think your expectations are in the right place but i don't want to put words in other people's mouths yet or anything like that but what i do want to do is jason what did Mm -hmm. you think of bill and ted face the music well i think i've seen the film five times now oh my god oh this is (laughs) didn't it come out at the beginning of this month Yeah, so, so, <laughs> That's awesome. so I was planning on watching it on the Friday, but I decided to check Apple TV at midnight to see if it was available, and it was. So I watched it Thursday night at midnight, then I watched it during the day on Friday, and then I think Saturday night I saw it with a friend of mine who'd never seen any of them, so we watched all three. And then Sunday I did a, uh, a FaceTime chat with a buddy of mine who had already watched it, but we wanted to talk while we watched it. And then I think I had it <laughs> on in the background while I was practicing guitar. So I've seen it a lot. Yeah. Uh, the first time through, I was just vibrating. I, I couldn't believe that this franchise <laughs> was a third movie after these guys had aged 30 years. It's just insane. Um, so it was just really fun that it happened. It was very much just, it just felt like, man, in, in this year, this particular year, it's really fun to go back to see what two guys are doing that I haven't seen since I was 12 years old. And it was sort of like catching up with old friends, you know, like it was just neat to need to live in their world again and see what they were like. And I was stoked. And when I first watched the movie, I had a smile on my face the whole time. Um, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Now, when you say, uh, when you watch a Bill and Ted movie, you know what you're in for. And yes, uh, you know, they're not, this isn't great literature, but to that end though, there was there was some really good logic in the first two movies. Everything happened for a very specific reason. They played by their own rules. Um, I feel like this movie, in some ways, is a little bit lazy. And I see that this happens a lot. I mean, I feel the same way about Indiana Jones 4. I think when writers and creators and producers have a lot of success with something and they age, as we all do, you might lose touch. I think it might have been fun if the reins had been passed or at least shared with some younger uh, writers and directors. I think there's a lot of people who are very passionate, who are very funny, who could have maybe spoken to modern audiences a little, bit, a little better and, and, and worked a little harder on on what the script could be. And not to say these people didn't work hard. It's been in development for a long time. But uh, 
there were just some things after watching it five times, admittedly, <laughs> uh, that I thought didn't really hold up, and uh, and that and that could have been better. And and uh, but I still loved it. And one one thing that I mean I don't want to go on too long. We'll have discussions about, it, of course. But um, I thought Alex Winter slipped back into Bill's shoes so easily. Uh, I don't know what his process was, but he was Bill again to me. And I was pretty disappointed that we didn't get to see on Ted. Uh, Ted was a very uh, smiley, high eyebrows, bouncy kind of guy. And I think Keanu Reeves has spent most of his life since those movies came out being anything but Ted. And he's become a very serious kind of stiff actor and I love him and he's very disciplined and he's amazing as John Wick, but he's just not the kid who played Ted anymore. And uh, I was kind of bummed out that, uh, that we didn't get to see the, the, the pure joy and glee that I'm used to seeing on him. There were a couple of nice moments, but I, I also find the whole concept very strange that they would visit themselves only two years in the future. Yeah. Complete animals. Like, yeah. uh, the whole appeal to Bill and Ted is that they are ever unchanging and I can't accept that there's any version of them they'd ever visit who weren't still optimistic. Right. I guess that's part of why they have right in that scene, that initial, when they go to the like six fifteen open mic thing mm-hmm. where uh, it's us being here is humorously ironic. Like, right. Right. Like there's like yeah. a sense of self-awareness, but that doesn't, you know, supersede the fact that it is kind of weird that it didn't take that long and everything just fell apart so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There were, there's definitely humor in it. It just totally wasn't those characters. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, it's, we've had this feeling like a hundred times on the show where, Mm. um, you think you want something and then Mm -hmm. you get it and you're like, I do like this. However, it's not precisely the thing you'd want it to be. It's close, and that's enough because it's been a long time, and it's it's nice, like you're saying, to get back in there. But then there's just a little thing that's kind of like, ah, they're so close mm-hmm. to getting it. Yeah, yeah, it does like, feel very... It, do, it does feel like, um, even as somebody who's not super as well-versed, uh, I do agree that it feels like they're right on the edge of nailing it but there Mm. is a few things that feel kind of weird um Mm. for me it's harder obviously to put a finger on why that is um because i'm just i've got less going on but i think i think part of it is like you're saying where um they're visiting themselves in the future and a they're dramatically different but also all of those sequences are fairly short (laughs) so you're not getting like especially i'm thinking i'm thinking the open mic one is really short and the prison one is really short so they're they're only doing so much with that the uh the one at dave girl's house is like a little bit longer um but uh and then you've obviously you've got the girls off doing basically the og bill and ted shtick of Mm. we need historical figures yeah and i feel like instead of having fun with those characters they just wanted to make really hot talky versions of them <laughs> yeah no i i get it yeah 
Uh, I didn't find all that a lot of fun, really. Like, like the, the, the time travel and grabbing the people stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the same tone as the first one. But uh, but I liked the girls quite a bit. I thought they were really fun, and, and I thought captured the spirit of Bill and Ted really well, which was neat. Yeah, well, I'll let Liam get in here in a sec, but the one thing that I do want to point out, and again, as somebody who you know isn't as well-versed as... Jason, certainly, but even Liam, who has at least seen all of them in full, I thought Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne were fucking amazing because it felt like they were they were channeling it without copying it. Like, um, and yeah, like I think um, they uh, Bridget Lundy Payne, they're doing a bit of a Keanu voice, but like not so much of one that you wouldn't just be like, well, that's what his daughter would probably talk like. So yeah, that tracks to me. Um, but yeah, they're they're doing a great job of being like a natural progression of them without just being like it's them but girls. Like, and I thought they did a really really great job. Yeah, agreed. Okay, Liam, get in here. We need your we need your we need your opinions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So I would say I am on perhaps a a similar trajectory to Jason. Um. In that I have yet to see it a second third fourth fifth time and i have yet to find out the things that don't quite line up for me and i'm still in the vibrating smiley stage because to me dude this movie is incredible this is i was i had a smile on my face the entire time i was like tearing up at the end of the movie i was laughing throughout the whole thing i just had such a blast with this movie i had so much fun with this movie especially after spending most of my day in that world um, with the other two movies. The the payoff that I felt watching this movie and how much I laughed at the jokes and how nice it was to see these people again, even though I haven't waited the 30 years to do it, you know, just seeing um, the differences in the way the movies have been filmed and the ages and the actors and uh, the new actors that have come in, everything worked so well for me. Um, like this is, I would say at this point, my favorite of the three movies. Oh, I, I was just, this was it, man. This was like, to me, this is basically a perfect trilogy. Like that's not to say every movie is a 10 out of 10. Um, I don't even know if this movie's a 10 out of 10. I got to say it's close, but um, it's a perfect trilogy in that every movie does something a bit different um, and every movie gives me something new, but also just makes me so happy. And um, holy man, yeah, I this movie totally did it for me. I thought this was incredible. It felt like a third installment in in the trilogy rather than a rehash or a reunion it didn't feel like a nostalgia fest to me like something like uh dumb and dumber 2 might you know where they take years off and they just want to get the gang back together again or even girl meets world which Corey and i talked about a couple weeks ago it didn't quite feel like that it i felt like the story was fresh and had um told a story that necessitated the passage of time in between the second and third installments and so like it it felt more like um like uh the before sunrise trilogy by richard linklater <laughs> where like where like every movie is like uh is is reliant on the fact that it's doing something a bit different and that the characters are aging like this movie it 
it needed the passage of time and i thought it did really well addressing that passage of time but also having the fun factor of the originals um Jason, you said a lot of stuff that that I agree with um, and that I'll probably agree with more as I watch it more. Um, it does all the time travel stuff line up super well. I doubt it. Did I feel like Keanu Reeves was not the same guy he used to be? Yeah, definitely. Um, which is something that I was so interested to see. I was so, after watching the first two, I was like... Man, I've seen so many Keanu Reeves movies that aren't Bill and Ted. It is so strange to me to see him act as Ted in these first two movies. And now to think that he might do that again, that's what I was most excited for. And I didn't think that he got there. I thought Alex Winter really pulled it off. But I thought Keanu was much more... Um, Keanu Reeves in the Bill and Ted movie. Like, it didn't feel like he had assumed that character again. And so... There are things here and there that, that you know, when I add them all up together, it doesn't make a perfect movie. But while I was watching it, it felt like a perfect movie just because I was never bored. I was never not smiling. Um, I was almost always impressed at the, at the places this movie goes because it just keeps moving and does so many different things. And so I was, I was totally blown away. Like, this, this was... Uh, this was the opposite of what Incredibles 2 to me was, where it's like, <laughs> I waited 15 years for this, and they're telling me they did it for a reason, and they were waiting for the right script, and they got everyone back. And then I saw Incredibles 2, and I was like, And they, they lied. They could have just done this right after The Incredibles. Like, this is whack. Um, but this movie, it feels, it feels heavy, and it feels like it has weight, but it also manages to pull off similar stuff to what the other two did so i'll stop rambling for now but yeah i really really love this movie guys oh that's wicked. <laughs> it's i mean if it's sitting in front of me i feel like i gotta get it in there <laughs> so i think uh i it's weird i have this i have this realization mid podcast a lot where i'm always like what's the best way to talk about this movie and um sometimes i'm like i we don't really think about it too much and we just kind of go straight through it like chronologically or whatever and I don't know why I said or whatever. Like, that's an unusual thing. I guess everything happens chronologically. But um, not in Bill and Ted. Not in don't. Bill and Ted. It don't. That's true. But I'm thinking I'm, I'm wondering, like, uh, in terms of the stuff that really works, like if there are particular moments for people in the movie that sort of encapsulate them really nailing it. Um, well, I, I thought it was gutsy. And but had a great payoff for me like how long they waited for them to do their first air guitar i was waiting for the air guitar for a while yeah. for sure yeah. and like i was almost at a point where like whoa like these guys have aged 30 years maybe they don't do that anymore they forgot how to air guitar <laughs> when they got in the phone booth for the first time and did it like that that put a pretty big smile on me <laughs> The first, the first time you get audited by the IRS, you legally have to stop air guitaring. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I always thought that was such a joyous, silly thing. Like, how they came up with that idea that these guys do air guitar, and then because we're in a movie, they can just play, play wicked, like, soloing over top. Like, that is just a awesome fantasy moment for anyone you know like it's yeah just, it's so smart cool. like it's just a good idea 
it's just so like innocent too like it's not like they're like acting like they're slash or something or like you know what i mean like they're just like we yeah it's, it's just like it's so yeah. frantic and quick and it just comes and goes it is yeah. awesome well i think i have a note that uh <laughs> uh they're like giant children is one of my notes and um totally. i think there's something that's just so and i don't like we could get into the semantics of like is part of why this timing is so good for this movie because everything else sucks so bad that it's so wholesome and nice that it's just the perfect timing maybe but i think even you know divorced from our current conditions which i is kind of difficult to manage it's so just pure and nice and i don't like whittling things down to just being like oh like what a pure like what a wholesome thing but it's just like they're just big dumb dudes who are just wholesome nice guys who are just chill to be around and they're they're air guitar and they're trying their best and it's just pleasant it's just nice i like them a lot no matter what like even the the one of the right i think it was ed solomon on the um on the soundtrack for uh, bogus journey was like we really like this idea that like even when they die they're like uh all right well now what like they, yeah it, now we're in hell like, let's figure that one out yeah, like they're never <laughs> discouraged like and it's sort of like one of my favorite moments in, the, in in all of bill and ted is the near the end of the first movie where they're like oh well if if we make sure to remember to go put the keys here now they'll be here and they just reach behind a sign and they're there and i was like that is the most genius like special effects sci-fi you could like, like yeah you don't need special effects at all to pull off this amazing time travel logic yeah, and um, and the, so the writers were like, these guys just like they don't even realize what gods they are. They just sort of make the rules. Like whatever makes sense to them is how reality is. But they think different than all of us. And uh, so in the second one, even then they go to hell. They're like, well, we can handle time travel. We should be able to handle the afterlife. And they, just, <laughs> they just, like, the dumbest guys ever beat death at board games and come back to life with him as their servant. Like it's. like these guys can do anything and they have zero ego about it yeah amazing that's what's kind of interesting seeing them like panic mildly in this movie especially early of course you get like the keanu being like i don't know if we should be doing this anymore but like you know it is kind of bizarre to see them in like couples therapy like i know the bit is that they they can't even do couples therapy by themselves like like you said earlier they basically just share a brain but um it is still kind of bizarre seeing them in the more like quote unquote real world adult contexts. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that working as a bit yet because it is, it is just kind of, I guess like it's, it's been so long that it's kind of inevitable, but um, yeah. yeah, I think sort of, if, to me, it was a, it was a good reminder of who these guys still are at this age. Like, oh, okay, they still can, like, and to me, it was also sort of being self-aware more so than the other two movies. It's like, yeah, we're still doing this bit that <laughs> we we share a brain. We don't do anything apart. Like, yeah. uh, like if, and then when they even go to the future in the old folks' home, like, there were two size <laughs> beds there. Like, that's where all four of them sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I'm... To that point, one thing I want to I want to mention because uh, we've talked about uh, effects a little bit, um, or not needing effects, like you're saying with the keys stuff. Uh, this movie is a baffling combination of looking 
some of the effects are really really good like the the practical stuff and like the prosthetics and stuff that they do and like aging up and the makeup and whatever all look really really cool and really strong and i i guess that's sort of the lineage of like freaked like i mentioned that other alex winter movie where they've just got like all kinds of wacky carnival shit going on in there so it's something that he's kind of always doing but um this movie looks really cheap pretty much the rest of the time like it looks like it looks like it looks like it aired on cable (laughs) yeah and it's weird because it did cost 25 million dollars yeah, well, you know, that's not a lot anymore when you think about marketing campaigns, too. And, yeah, fair enough. To, and and probably the cost of, well, I'm sure that Keanu Reeves gave them a... Yeah, it took a pay cut, cut, probably, yeah. I think so. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's true, man. Like, uh, well, it's interesting, too. Like, it's, it's, it's funny what you know about the making of the movies. Like, there are some charming things about that, too. Like, in that first movie where they go to the future... And they go to that dome to see like those most important people in the world or whatever they're supposed to be. Uh, they're kind of like in like not that big a room. And the writers had envisioned like a giant dome. And what's interesting is like in the new movie, that's closer to what they got. They got this giant dome and a lot of the architecture actually matched what was Bill and Ted University at the beginning of uh, Bill and Ted's Bow's journey. But uh so yeah, they they're like we finally have the technology. We can make this huge set we want. Yeah, but, but we just put it on a weird looking green screen. It doesn't look right. Everyone's sort of just floating, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the, some of the charm in these movies, like and that's what's so weird about this bygone era is that like cheap practical stuff is so charming. Totally. Cheap CGI looks like shit. Yeah, and that's a conversation we've had a lot, even on this podcast like two what liam two weeks ago was tremors two something like that yeah uh there's some there's some real killer practical effects and some real horseshit cg in that movie so uh it's it's definitely a similar thing but like i'm picturing them like just the huge beefy versions of them in the prison i'm like hell yeah this is hilarious i love how this looks I, i was trying to figure that out the whole time they were on screen i was like did they put their head on a muscular person's body digitally like i can't see the seams in the makeup i thought but it also oh. j- like it but it also looked so cartoonish right like it, that yeah was but so it totally cool. works yeah I, I think that's where most of the budget went was those muscle suits yeah yeah but, and they're good muscle but also, suits like, i also think this movie was uh like you're listing off some of those te- the talented people who are involved with this I think for a lot of people, it was a labor of love. And like, they totally. got talented people who are fans of the stuff, who took a cut rate, but put a lot of work into it. Yeah. And yeah, that shows. I think those muscle suits are absolutely incredible. Like, the practical stuff they were able to do, like, clearly the people who worked on it were like, I'm going to make this perfect for you no matter what you can pay me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I respect the hell out of that. I think, I don't know how many franchises exist um where you you could still garner that kind of goodwill i think plenty of franchises like that exist but you'll get a lot of people who are like oh i want to like reboot it or like i'll remake that movie or that kind of thing but there's not a ton of things where it's like oh you guys are making another one like the same people are making another one and they want to get other people on board because then you'll get a lot of people who are super enthusiastic and that's good to your point about like they also could have brought younger people in (laughs) 
because mm. the people exist who are the same level of enthusiastic who maybe aren't precisely just the people that made it the first time. I know. I really have a problem when that kind of stuff happens. Like, cause I think they know that people really buy into that pedigree for lack of a better word. Like they just want the same DNA of the stuff that they love. Right. Yeah. Uh, cause they think that corporations steal things and make it crappy, but like, reality it's kind of it's often better to hand something off to the younger generation who really revere the original stuff and are obsessed with it in a way the original writers probably aren't even they're probably yeah, tired or can't be like yeah yeah and people lose touch like it, it's hard to it's hard i think to be an aging writer and try to write something that's relevant for people now yeah 30 years later but also your characters have aged 30 years so that's like you know that's kind of a an interesting quandary you probably relate better to the the characters themselves than younger writers would but maybe your story maybe more can happen than you think it can happen you know what i mean like yeah. you know 30 years ago uh a 20 minute tv show is the first five minutes now you know like yeah. we can handle it now we don't need we Everybody's got a shorthand. People are used to fast-moving stories. And I do think this movie moved fast, but I feel like they edited it too much. Like, it's 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 very fast-paced, and it's very like, okay, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. Yeah, I would like it to breathe a little more, honestly. And I feel like there's some stuff cut, like, keep it. Maybe they were really married to having the, the movie follow the same timeline like in real time to the plot device that's that's what i kept checking i kept checking the close time stamp that i was at to see if it was more or less real time and i I don't precisely know i'd have to look at it again but i kind of i got that vibe for sure um yeah yeah, i think that's the same thing where you know at the end obviously there's the handoff and it's like oh it was uh Billy and Thea the whole time it wasn't us and it's like I like that because it's nice to give those actors a chance to do some more stuff aside from the b-plot stuff that they got and I thought that it was fun but it's also like I'm not gonna act like I didn't see that coming from a mile away like I'm not gonna you know congratulate the movie for doing that but I do like it still I like it too but I I think I would have liked it if Bill and Ted had realized it on their own first and then we get to see them present it to the girls, but we we see them realize and tell them at the same time. In, and yeah, I feel like and the audience is kind of already put together. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I I feel like Bill and Ted didn't really get much of an arc in that respect. because like, if you start breaking down the mechanics, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if they get this song tonight for sure, there's going to be a recording of it. So. So you just go to the future tomorrow and you, you'd have it like to go two years in the future and you don't have it. And then five more years, you don't have it. But then you go to the Wait, end of your life and bro, then for some reason you have it. Like such a, a good lot, point. Lot. I hadn't even thought of it that where it's like, well, presumably we could see how we're doing tomorrow. <laughs> oh well, man. <laughs> it, it made sense if we found out that the princesses from the future, the old princesses, when they stole the top, the phone booth, they went back in time and got the song or something sure yeah you could compl- like, you could complicate it a little bit more yeah yeah but like so like i kept thinking like when they visited themselves in the future oh so this is they didn't say this but this is a theory i have is that when they see the old men there 
And they're like, we did it. We have the song. Here's the USB thing. My theory is it's not on there again. I uh, also don't think it's on there. Uh, but that falls apart because they did play them a clip of the soloing from the song in the room. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, it falls apart. But yeah, my theory was sort of like those Bill and Ted's were sort of meant to believe they're good and that they had the song and they gave it to them. But it, it really only makes sense that they didn't have it. Um, and they went back believing they did. And that's what caused them to realize. But I think the, the girls stealing the phone booth and going back, maybe they, I don't know. There's, there's yeah. a whole bunch of things I think, happening. That don't, yeah. I don't really I think if you ignore it mechanically, though, I, I think I get why they structured it the way they did, because I think they wanted to have fun with, well, what if we go to a future where Bill and Ted fucked up and we get to see a version of them that's a little mm-hmm. bit different? I think that's what they wanted to do. And so I get why they were like, oh, we could have like weird, cynical, antagonistic Bill and Ted. But I'm also kind of thinking like, I don't know, does anybody really want weird, well, cynical, antagonistic Bill and oh. Ted? Like, even I don't. And I'm not like... <laughs> So what I wish had happened is that they'd actually were going to uh, alternate universes uh, with the booth. And then I'd be okay seeing alternate Bill and Ted's of different attitudes, different whatever, and then maybe even different songs, but only one song works for their universe or whatever. Yeah. Well, I I know. know. And I know Liam, obviously you're still, you said you were still kind of riding the high of the movie. Like, did you get bogged down in any of that? Or were you just kind of like, let's fucking go Bill and Ted. <laughs> uh yeah definitely the latter i, th- I think the, the, the magic i think the magic trick of these movies is that wait dr doolittle character- over there sounds like you got a lot of animals over there <laughs> i do they all, they're all so stoked about bill and ted they watched it with me um i think the magic trick of bill and ted is that the characters are just so likable and the situation that they're being put into is so outlandish you know like it's it's so weird in the first place that there's even a time travel plot in that original movie because it's it doesn't go super deep into sci-fi mechanics like I'm I'm gonna remember it as a as a buddy comedy uh, movie less so than more more so than a than a sci-fi movie right so um, so the fact that the the sci-fi stuff is happening it just um, the characters are so strong that I'm just along for the ride. So, so for example, um, in, in the second movie, the climax is that um, they they have to time travel away from their battle of the bands in order to learn how to play guitar really well. And then right. and you and you can correct me if I get any of this wrong, Jason. And then they learn how to play guitar, and then they come back to the moment of the battle of the bands, knowing how to play guitar, and they rock it. But I thought it was established that whenever you time travel, time in the present day continues moving forward, and so you have to come back to where time would be since as long as you've been away so if you time travel away for an hour you're going to come back to the to where you left an hour from then so so to me it it seemed like as early as the second movie the rules were sort of changing and i wasn't thinking a whole lot about it just because uh the jokes and um the it seems like the goals of the movie are just elsewhere you know what i mean and so i i definitely wasn't thinking much about it in this movie i think the the way it works is that on the surface 
it makes sense to me like that uh they're they need to like and also they're dumb guys so right. like the fact that they think okay two years into the future we'll see ourselves yeah. in the future and by then they must have done it they're they're thinking okay even though the deadline is tonight maybe we haven't done it by tomorrow because we got an extension or something but two years that's a whole lot of time so we'll go there also, and then shouldn't there be no universe according to this movie yeah, I, well, and that's that's this is the pro- the problem we're hitting is that like it's the same like with Back to the Future like anything else where like it's so easy to get into like the minutia of how time travel anything works that it's like we could probably debate forever like why this shit doesn't work. But um, well, I want, I want to say two things here. Okay, yeah. so only two. You like- can't say three. I'll stop you. Number one, sort of like, uh, like Star Wars or, or anything else with any kind of sci-fi mechanics in it. Um, fans of these movies have been deconstructing them for 30 years. And we pretty much consider them pretty airtight. Like we're happy with all the logic in these first two movies. We've discussed them and talked to them ad nauseum forever. So when when someone watches them yesterday just three in a row, I could totally understand how they're exciting and they all fit together and they're fine. But like, it's hard. It's, it's maybe hard for you guys to put yourselves in the shoes of someone who saw these two movies 30 years. It's sort of like when the star Wars, the new ones came out, right? Like some people love them, especially those who didn't, who were younger, but people who like appreciated the original trilogy and been waiting so long for the next chapter. A lot of them were disappointed yeah, because, because it's like, you know, it's- it lacks internal consistency. Yeah, and it's an internal consistency that you can't see without thirty years of watching right. it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of just a hard conversation to have. But I also want to say to you, so this is number two. So I tweeted to uh, one of the writers, Ed Solomon, uh, August third of this year. I was watching, I watched the first two movies and I said, Hey dude, just wondering if there's an explanation why the clock in San Dimas is always running and excellent and bogus. They can take guitar lessons for 16 months in a second. Okay. Okay. So he responded that day. You're right. It makes no sense. Along with a gazillion other things in that movie, though, this is the first it crossed my mind. Smiley face emoji. So thank you. <laughs> Hey, you know, but like, if that's the mindset they're in, I'm willing to accept that. Well, and that sort of, you know, and and, and it seems to be more in line with how Liam is watching this movie. Like, these aren't about watching hardcore sci-fi rule-following movies. It's about these two, it's about this relationship that exists amongst absurdity. And if you like that, you're going to have a great time. And uh, you're right. It's about a funny insecure robot named oh, Dennis God. Caleb McCoy. My oh, damn right. That's what that it's about. shit. Speaking of writing to a younger audience, insecurity is something I feel like they nailed because I know a lot of insecure people and Dennis oh, certainly fits the bill. I fucking love Dennis. Dude. That, that actor is also fantastic. Oh, he's, in- he's crushing it. <laughs> Have you seen Barry, the TV series with the, no, that's on uh, HBO, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's great, and he and he's in it. Like, I can't think of the the guys. No, no, ho, Hank. 
Oh, oh my gosh, he's so funny. <laughs> that guy has incredible uh, instincts. Yeah, I have a. There's a really good bit for me from uh, Dennis. I believe he says it to death. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I, where is it? Oh yeah, um, it was cool when you said "Let's rock" because it made me want to rock. That's <laughs> uh, like you. You must earn the right to rock. Ah, uh, it's so good. It also the stuff with death. I really like like the the repairing and the sort of like working through his like later catalog of music and like just talking through stuff like the when billy and the artist like oh like it's the it's the bass solo at the end of like too pale to cry or whatever and i also love how like in in this movie the conceit is that like the whole world is a is aware the grim reaper is real and for a while he played in this band he was the bassist in wild stallions crazy so surreal and absurd it's so much fun i love that stuff yeah Uh, i think this is the good part that we're getting to where it's like yeah we can spend all that time on the mechanics but fundamentally it's just like there's just some good bits in here like oh yeah there are definitely good bits um, I, I like, like I love as as much as I might have like uh, a problem with the idea of a nasty Bill and Ted. I did really enjoy all those scenes. One of my favorite things in like Dave Grohl's house is like, like I love how these guys evolve and like become better <laughs> at like trying to trick them. Right, like they become and, more yeah. dastardly. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, that's a great word for it. It's very cartoony bad, <laughs> and uh, I love when uh, he's like, "Put the gun down, Bill." He's like, "I can't." see what happens and he puts it down and they immediately turn and run like it's like the three stooges right bill well and like and bill is gonna know how bill is gonna react to him putting the gun away because he's the same person is what i did (laughs) i never get tired of that stuff and then that's pretty funny idea like we got to do something that we can't remember doing so they like put buckets on of course they're just gonna go towards the phone booth at some point but anyway uh yeah and i love those versions i love how they're pretending to be british for no good reason and they're terrible at it we've started of course, su- summering in medieval england <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i found all that pretty funny it's good uh, yeah i like i like the prison stuff too and i like the stupid song they're singing and all the tattoos like heinous and excellent <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah lower back, it says catch you later <laughs> It's so goofy, but uh, yeah. No, there's tons of fun, man. I, I and and like Kristen Shaw is hilarious. Totally. You know she didn't have anything to do, but I <laughs> you you great. named him after my ex. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's so weird to think that she's talking to her mom in real time on a cell phone in hell, and she, her years. mom's in the future, <laughs> like like hundreds of years in the past, like seven hundred years in the past or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't refer to that reception. Um, oh, and I liked when I like when they walk by too, and the demons are like, uh, "Is that a robot?" Yep, yep, that's a robot, robot in, in hell. hell. Yep. <laughs> uh, those that those are the writers. That's Ed Solomon. Oh, and, really? Uh, that's great. In the first movie, they were um, they worked at the at the Ziggy Piggy at the, uh, the ice cream parlor. Okay. And then in oh, yeah. uh, the second one, they're at the seance with um, with Missy. When the when the boys get sent to hell, Dude, and uh, it, the yes, wedding bit is so funny. 
with Missy just yeah. like marrying like she was my was... dad and then she was my dad and now she's with Deegan which kind of makes dad his own son and Deegan's oh, yeah, dad yeah. Dude, Keanu, Keanu's, Keanu's <laughs> delivery there did pull it off that was hilarious <laughs> yeah I have a writer friend uh, Ian who's who said what he was hoping that the, the furthest extent of the joke would be is that Missy was marrying death Ah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like if instead of the wedding scene at the beginning like when they go to see Grim Reaper she's just hanging out there she's just like yo what's <laughs> up it's me yeah. that is pretty funny yeah uh, yeah. I also yeah. like that the solution like Jimi Hendrix won't believe them but what they <laughs> what they decide to do is take a video on a phone of Jimi Hendrix to Louis Armstrong, and Louis Armstrong doesn't question for a second. He's like, I don't know. He's he's not like, I don't know what this is or who you are. He's just like, oh man, this guy can fucking shred. Let's go, let's go get this yeah. guy. Well, to me, to me, they spent so much time on that. Like, I think that would have been a lot more fun and economical if Jimmy closes the door, the light flashes, they knock, and he's like, I just told you no, but then. Uh, yeah they've got it like like of course they're shooting in new orleans they want to use a really cool new orleans location and show louis armstrong but uh i think it would have just been a little cleaner and more fun if like there had not been an edit there and like well here's instantly louis armstrong yeah also like hendrix hadn't mentioned louis armstrong like it would have been kind of he'd been like oh maybe if you had louis armstrong yeah Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's still it's it's a good time uh kid cuddy is a science genius that's a good bit. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if in real life Kid Cudi is a science genius. But uh, oh, it's wild too. Is that apparently was originally supposed to be Kendrick Lamar? That would have uh, been fucking bananas. <laughs> that's not shooting for the moon, right? And then there probably would have been a little bit more to that concert scene where he was actually singing, right? Though I will um, say, I'm a big fan of Kid Cudi. I'll take it. Sure. He's not on the soundtrack, which I find strange. Like, it would have been nice if he'd played a bit of one of his songs in that concert clip, but he was just basically relegated to the opening montage. Yeah. So. But yeah, I dig him, man. He's he's dope. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I think, you know, we're kind of getting to the heart of it again. We're, we're circling back around where it's just like, it's just a good fucking time. You know, yeah. it's just a good time. It just is. Like, I could see myself rewatching it again really easily because it's, it's pretty quick. And it's just nice. It just feels nice. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I, I've watched it five times. Not because yeah. it's like my favorite movie, but it's like, it's uplifting. It's easy to have on the background. It's funny. You know? Um, yeah. Like I, I can pick it apart and it's probably as far as like mechanics and writing, it's probably my least favorite of the three, but, uh, but it's still a good time. And I enjoy those characters and I enjoy the message. And yeah. Okay. It's like just so simply it's like and it worked yeah so uh, here's uh, my here's my big question then because it, it does end very quickly it's like yep yeah, we're done it worked everybody's good to go don't, don't worry about it so you know potentially stemming some renewed interest here in bill and ted is a thing and we've got new established characters in case uh keanu reeves and alex winter don't want to do it again do you think either of you liam you can get in on this too of course uh that they're gonna try to do more bill and ted or bill and ted adjacent things would you even want to see that what do you think that would look like or do you think they're this is the uh this is the curtain the curtain call i would not be adverse to seeing uh billy and thea 
in a movie. I and agree. Maybe have Ted in the background, but I know how hard it is to make these movies and how hard to get a studio to invest. So I would be surprised if they can convince people that that should happen. Uh, but I watch it absolutely. Do I think it's necessary? I don't think this movie was necessary, but <laughs> hell, glad it happened in 2020, man. Like it's a ray of sunshine. It's a great allegory for what's happened, albeit an unintended one. Bill and Ted came and saved the universe with uh, with Brotherhood, man, and that's a nice thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's a nice little escape, you know, if nothing else. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't need anything else. I saw basically. In this movie, Bill and Ted's last day on Earth, and they shred together. Uh, so I think their story's over. And uh, do I, I like Billy and Thea, but I don't think there's probably enough heat for them to get their own movie. Yeah. Although I, yeah, I do I, really quickly, if I do just want to say, I just want to get the line in there when they're staring at the window, and uh, I forget which one. One of them just goes, "Dude, the future is outside." <laughs> Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when Kristen Shell comes back later, they're like, hey, future dude. Yeah. That's what they call Kristen Schell. Yeah, super all, fun. They're great. All, said, all said with a flaming hot bag of Cheetos. In Classic. Hand, too. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. What about you, Liam? Um,. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, Jason. I I would absolutely watch it. I'm not adverse to it because I loved the daughter characters in this movie. Um, but I don't know that I that it needs to happen, um, and it it doesn't feel like the torch needs to be passed into another lone installment because I think the beauty of of this movie and the way that Bill and Ted worked with Billy and Thea is that um, is that there is the both arcs are sort of concluded in that Billy and Thea completed their destiny and also um, their characters are really charming because we know Bill and Ted so well. And so seeing them play off together is, is really, really cool. But um, I think the reason that there haven't been five or six Bill and Ted movies is because uh, the, the market is small enough for it. And also you can, you can only do so much with those characters, you know? Um, so I think that, the the daughter characters are really strong in this movie but it feels like they they fit so perfectly in this movie and everything in this movie fits so perfectly together and comes to a proper conclusion that any more would feel kind of uh extraneous i think i don't i don't think it would it it, it would need to happen um but I, w- I would definitely watch it because, you know, I-, I I loved every scene of this movie. And so if there were an hour and a half more of Billy and Thea, then I would I would watch it because that would be entertaining. But I think it would be a tough sell. I think this movie um, makes a lot of sense because it's tying off a loose end. Also, it's it's hinting at a future that we don't necessarily need to see, but is there in the movie. And so... Uh, I, I, my guess is that that's not going to happen, especially because I think uh, both Samara Weaving and um, Bridget Lundy Payne are probably going to have like massive careers as well. So I don't think they're going to be the the Bill and Ted kids. You know what I mean? 
Right. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment. And and for me, as far as I I feel about this, I'm pretty much I'm in the same boat with y'all. Where it's like, would I complain? Probably not, because I feel like whatever we got would probably be a pretty good time still, and I'm I'm always down for a good time. But uh, extraneous is probably a good word. Like it's certainly not required. It and certainly there's no cliffhanger here to really resolve. But um, you know, if they if the people who made it decided they wanted to do it more, then you know sure whatever um but yeah i think i'm I'm just glad that this is this is a good time i'm really grateful for the fact that this was not a letdown because i feel like that would just especially this year i don't think anybody could have handled bill and ted 3 being bad like genuinely no. bad i don't think that i don't think we would have made it and i honestly think i think people are giving it a bit of a pass i mean yeah I probably better, but i think we need it to be good yeah, we yeah, we, we need this. It, it yeah. would have it it would have had to have been really bad for people to even say that it's 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 sort of bad. You yeah. know what I mean? It could be a lot worse than this, and people would go, "Oh, but I mean, you know, I'll still watch it." Like, yeah, it's fucking twenty twenty, bro. I'll take it. One on Rotten Tomatoes, like that. That's high. First one is eighty one as well, and the second one is fifty six. Oh my! Yeah, gosh. but Rotten Tomatoes has a problem where like sequels always nosedive, like to anything. Like, it's still based on views, though, right? Like, yeah, a lot of people didn't like it. Well, it's also weird because they seem to—they're a bunch of narcs. It's we- well, and you also look at reviews for a movie that came out in nineteen ninety one, and a lot of the reviews are like from the past five years and it's like i don't know if that's fair yeah yeah let's what did roger ebert think of bill and ted's bogus journey that's how we know i dude i I know what that is he liked it even though he hadn't seen the first movie how do you know that off the top of your head both of you (laughs) because (laughs) what the hell we're both we're both bill and ted scholars man uh i've ascended yeah yeah, it, no, good, a good call, man. Uh, <laughs> I need an air guitar button. Fuck. Oh yeah, <laughs> we need to install yeah. an air guitar button. <laughs> Next week we'll have it. So I, actually, my ringtone is them saying "excellent" and the uh, and the air guitar. That's pretty excellent. Oh, I love that. I, I do. After watching this movie, I realized that some of the stuff they say, just like in like the funny like slacker slang is stuff that i do just say and i was like oh god do i kind of do i kind of talk like this pretty impossible to know like how much more people say dude now oh it, it must have helped that. like the dude is there sure but even just like you know like excellent is in there but i think there's just there's a weird like verbosity to the way they talk that's They're like not- really endearing <laughs> They're, they're really cute. They're, they kind of remind me of theater kids, like like yeah. a, like I was in high school. Like we all enjoyed like language and saying things are most triumphant. And, yeah, uh, like it's just we put as many words as we could into this sentence to get across like, a simple point. Yeah, it's silly and it's fun and yeah, I feel like Bill and Ted probably were in a couple plays. Yeah, in they thought Shakespeare <laughs> was like thoroughly bodacious or something. <laughs> I lo- I really like that part actually when they're in hell and they're like, "What are we gonna do, dude? I don't know, dude." And like uh, Dennis is like, "Yeah, I don't even know, dude." <laughs> dude, oh, dude. Dennis like, Dennis might be my favorite part of the whole movie because especially when he keeps lasering people by accident and I think when he gets like the girls and everybody he goes, "Oh no, 
Oh, oh yeah, dude. Oh. I would. Oh no. I would, I would absolutely say Dennis is is the high point. He runs at least away com- with comedic it. Was, and the pacing is so good because he he starts off and um, you think he's just like your typical killy killy robot, but the design is genius because he's more human than robot. So it actually makes sense when he starts to show emotions and when that moment happens, Corey, when he laser blasts those people and the camera just lingers on him, which it had done it had done a couple. <laughs> and times. he just looks around. <laughs> eye shifts but yeah the camera lingers on him and he's like oh oh no like i was i was like wait what the fuck just happened i had to replay it because my (laughs) mind was blown that we got like that extra five seconds and then from that point on everything he said was just golden that actor's comedic timing and just the characterization of this like human robot that also feels things people need to know his name he's like my name is my name is dennis kale mccoy and and like (laughs) blows blows forky from toy story 4 out of the water Yeah, forky can get bent dude forky wishes he was dead (laughs) i like how they how they all say goodbye too they're like uh, because uh he's leaving with kelly and they're like thanks kelly catch you later dennis dennis is like my name is dennis yeah it's so it's so good (laughs) yeah Dude, dude, as, I love as much Dennis as I, so much. As much as I love Billy and uh, and Thea, you, I gotta say that a Dennis spinoff movie, I think I might be more in in the in the bag for that one. I would champion a Dennis spinoff. It's interesting too because uh, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, like uh, oh man, like fifteen years ago, were working on a stop motion movie, like an animated movie called Automatons, and it was a pair of two neurotic like robots. Who were built to go back in time and kill Hitler? Okay. Buried at the bottom of the ocean and then came back in modern times, but now they're like super self-conscious, and so this never got made. But clearly, um, they wanted to put some of that DNA into into Bill and Ted because they love the idea of insecure robots. Yeah, it's it's a, and honestly, it's an incredible idea. Yeah, it's fun, and it's weird. Like it's it's very different than. It's, a very, it's it's sort of a different energy than death, uh, but similar things. Like starts out as an evil threat and then just becomes very like gentle. Yeah, and, yeah, it, very likable. Like, no matter who you are, if you come in contact with Bill and Ted, you're going to have a more positive outlook very soon. Yeah, oh. and I, honestly, that's how I felt after watching the movie. Like my whole day was like uplifted for sure. Yeah. These guys can win over a death robot and death himself the, yeah the embodiment of death why shouldn't they win over us huh yeah that's true Party on, soundboard yeah there it is, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you guys uh how do we feel you want to you want to ride off into the sunset here on bill and ted face the music yeah cool. i yeah. You know i have my i have my little quarrels with it but honestly the more i talk about it the more i realize i love it i love these guys and like and you know we're saying like we wouldn't be against a new movie and i or a new show or anything like i just think we like hanging out with these guys it's like ghostbusters like i just love those characters i will watch another bad ghostbusters movie if i have to right uh and be, you know a bit optimistic about it and yeah like i can't talk about th- these movies or these guys without smiling it's just they're they're pure joy personified and they cast it perfectly and i'm always glad i get to talk about it with people and watch watch the movies with people so thank you once yeah. again 
Oh, oh thank you so much for for bringing your expertise and your uh, <laughs> your scholarly insight into the franchise. And yeah, it's super fun. We we will definitely have you back for some. I don't know. We'll come up with something. We'll figure it out. We'll hear more from you for sure. And yeah, you'll hear from more more from us soon. And thank you all once again for listening to this episode of. They made another one. There it is. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another, which is all one word, and on Letterbox at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your Bill and Ted time travel mechanics theories. Our future... uh, I said future because I was thinking about time travel. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And normally this is where I would give Jason a plug, but he will get one shortly. So we will get to that one after. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And Jason, where can people find you? This can be, I don't know, it can be stuff online. It can be, you know, stuff you've acted in stuff you want to show off you can plug whatever you want man it's free yeah. rain it can be a place oh. in toronto yeah oh, uh, just find you there yeah uh, no i will not give you give it your address yeah uh, on imdb if you're curious about some of the cartoons and shows i've been in and stuff you find me on uh, instagram at the line man d-e-l-i-n-e-m-a-n and uh i have a facebook page so i guess it's facebook.com slash jason the line workshops where i am going to be uh, talking about my online voiceover workshops shortly. Nice. That'll be fun. Yeah, it's worldwide, cool. baby. <laughs> we're we're taking over <laughs> international. <laughs> and so uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to say we'll catch you here next week uh, for more than another. You can catch me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price and on Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And I've got two uh, Bill and Ted adjacent uh, soundboard buttons here. And uh, I don't know if I should use these or if I just ask the man himself to take us out with some be excellent to each other, etc. Do you want to take us out with one of those? Or I can hit the buttons. I say, uh, catch you later, Liam and Corey. <laughs> uh, catch you later, yeah, bro. Okay, so let's use, let's use the buttons and then uh, we will catch you here next time. So. We've ever received. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. <laughs>